Hey, welcome to the Project Church podcast. My name is Caleb Cole. I'm the lead pastor here at Project Church in downtown Sacramento. And we're so glad that you came to hear this word. We believe this is going to encourage you, build you up, and give you life. So get ready to receive a message from God. There it is. Give it up for these people serving so faithfully. Amazing. So, hey, how's everybody doing? Uh, My name is Caleb. This is Christy. If you guys are new, we're so glad you're here. Welcome to Project Church. We're in the middle of a series called Real Relationships, Building Real Relationships in a Fake World. There's a lot of fake out there. We want to build something healthy, something real. And uh, today's a special day because Christy and I are tag teaming this bad boy. We haven't done this in a while, so we're excited to be sharing with you together on the power of partnership. So we're going to jump in here in a moment. But I want to invite you back next week. I don't know if you know this, but next week is Mother's Day. All right? So get ready to give your your mother something. Um, But I'm excited because next week we're taking a little break from the series. And actually, for the first time ever, I'm going to tag team with my mother so I would love for you guys to come back, and I'm gonna, we're going to bring it, me and my mama, we're going to bring it, and uh, it's going to be fun, so pretty cool, but it's cool. I get to tag team back to back with the, the most important women in my life, so hey, this is a special couple weeks, and I'm glad you guys are here. So we're jumping in, real relationships, the power of partnership. Thank you for partnering with me, Chrissy. Thank you for partnering with me. And you can be a partner at Project Church. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> but really, Blueprint Course, whenever you want to become a partner, ready to discover all that God has for you. All right, that's not what we're talking about. But I want you to recognize that as we are continuing this series in real relationships, the goal is not for you all to just have really great, happy marriages. The goal is that we would be more attractive to this world because we have something healthy. Healthy things grow and people want to grow. And so we want to encourage you um, that this is the fourth sermon in this series. We started off by saying everything, the relationships, real relationships, it starts with you. Well, as we look at marriages this morning, let me tell you again, it starts with you. Four weeks in, it starts with you. And if you're wanting to grow your love after marriage, it's all about the right positioning. It's all about the right positioning. If you're posturing yourself all the time, posturing yourself in pride, you're going to lose. And if you're in the wrong position, then you're going to lose. If you're trying to beat or compete, with your partner because you're in the wrong position and you're postured incorrectly, then your relationship and your marriage are, is going to fall apart. You're going to lose. And the only way you can win if, if you partner, if you partner in a healthy manner. So there was um, a moment about five years, eight years ago, right before um, we planted this church and started this church, where I was on my way to a meeting for the church, planning meeting, and Caleb was in the shower. And I told everybody the best thing about being married is that you can be in the shower and talk to your spouse at the same time. It's okay. (laughs) Great. So it's cool. You can have conversations, open conversations. It's not weird. So anyways, as I was walking out, he made this comment. And I, it was kind of off the wall. I wasn't expecting it. But he said to me, hey, babe, I just want you to know that 
I think in this season of our life, it's okay that you're going to more meetings um, than I am for our church because you're, what you do would require more time of you, and I'm okay to stay home a little bit more and be with Canaan. I, at the time, I was pregnant with Kai. And I was like, okay, cool, great. And as I drove away, I had a moment with the Lord where he just told me, I answered a prayer you didn't even know to pray. Because the moment of my husband saying that I release you to be and do all that God has called you to be and do, if you're partnered with the right person, I'm going to give him or her that insight so that you can accomplish my purpose. And so I was so encouraged by it. I didn't even know to ask for my husband's permission or ask for his approval or ask for his input. God gave it to him. So if we're going to have healthy, real relationships, we're dependent on the Holy Spirit. And if we're with the right person, then God is going to, to change our hearts and move our hearts so that we can accomplish his purposes. Yeah, I want to add to that because I, I just want you guys to know this was a progression of God changing my heart. Because in all honesty, I grew up and my perspective of ministry was a little more uh, patriarchal, uh, male-dominated. And I would say my mindset was uh, typical gender roles. And so going into ministry, I was like, no, no, I'm going to do the church ministry and she'll, like, help occasionally, but she's going to take care of the kids. And that was my perspective. And then when we begin to launch this church, God, and through the Holy Spirit, changed my heart because I recognized the specific call on Chrissy's life. And that my job was to enable that and to step into some roles that I never thought I would have or take on some responsibility that I thought would be all hers so that she could walk in. And I feel like our church is better and stronger because of it. But I had to make the choice. And I'll tell you, my flesh didn't want to. Because it's like, I, I would rather just go to work than hang with the kids at times. I'm just being real with y'all. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but my, my spiritual eyes... And the Holy Spirit saying, yeah, but that's not what you two are called to do. And so hear me, this is our call. So I don't want any of you to weaponize this and say like, see, Caleb did it, so you need to let me do my thing. <laughs> don't weaponize this. This was our call. The Holy Spirit spoke specifically to both of us because this was what was best for us, for our church. No partnership is going to be the same. And so you have to seek God for what your specific partnership looks like. And it may look like typical gender roles. It may look the opposite. Or it may be a little more where Christy and I kind of share some of the roles. So you have to seek the Holy Spirit, God, for what is right for your partnership. Amen. That's good. Genesis 2.24, it says this, That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. 
one flesh. And this word one is ikad, which means united and completely joined in one. Now, everyone has a purpose and God has a plan for every single person's life. But when he puts two together in marriage, he has a new purpose. He has a greater purpose. And so it's important for us to recognize. And what I recognize in Caleb was there was a moment where he cleaved, he left he left what was formally done in his family. It's like nothing wrong with the way his parents led or the way that they did marriage. There was nothing wrong with the way my parents led. And it was a little bit more traditional. But we recognized that we needed a new blueprint for us to accommodate God's purposes for both of our lives. And so there's something new that God wants to do. But sometimes it's going to take us leaving the former and starting something new. And so that's what we recognize God was doing. He was making us become one flesh. Too often we come into these partnerships trying to accomplish our purposes, me, myself, and my purpose. But God has a purpose for you. And I want you to understand this. It's not just for us to understand this in marriage. It's for us to understand this. And when we enter into other relationships, God has a purpose for all the relationships that you have. So what are you doing? Are you accommodating the other person's purpose? Are you listening to the Holy Spirit? And are you giving them the ability to be all that God has called them to be. Understand this, that any other partnership you have, business partnership, boyfriend and girlfriend, just group of your sisterhood or brotherhood, God has a purpose that he has and he wants to accomplish in and through you. But let's do it united, ikad, completely joined as one. Partnership in marriage means that we are in covenant not contract. In the body of Christ, we are in covenant. This thing called marriage is something that God has put together that no man can tear, tear apart. This is a covenant. And we so often don't do partnership well because we don't understand covenant versus contract. This world is disillusioned by marriages because of the unhealth that they have seen inside and outside of the church. Some people are like scared of marriage and they're fearful to get into marriage because they have not understood the biblical partnership that God has. And they don't understand that the help that they can receive in a covenant relationship. So the thing about partnership in the world is that it's just a contract. And a contract is based on mutual distrust. Mutual distrust. There's a lot of people in this world that don't fully trust one another. And maybe you don't have to, but if you are trusting in the one that God put together, then you're going to have a lot more trust in the marriage. But we're walking around in contrast and contracts only because there's mutual distrust. They're singing, we want preened up, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I just had to throw that in there, sorry. I love you. My scattered brain. Get there, Chrissy. But then a covenant, partnership in the body of Christ, partnership in marriage is a covenant which is based on mutual commitment. You come together committed and not even trusting in one another, but trusting in the God who put you together. So this week, Canaan... Uh, asked me a question. He said, Dad, what would you rather have? My kids do this, would you rather all the time? He said, what would you rather have, a wife or parents? 
And I said, well, Canaan, at this point in my life, I would rather have a wife because my parents have already played their part in my life. And he's like, but what about Mimi and Papa? And I said, bro, I get it. When I was your age, I would have said parents. But they played their part, and now I'm walking in a new vision with my wife. And so we have to recognize as, as partners now that we're moving to this stage of partnership, what that looks like. And, and I think that single people in here, I know some of you are going, oh, man, this is like more of a married message. Listen, this is for you as well. Statistics actually show that 96% of Americans will get married at some point. So your odds are pretty good. Some of y'all been depressed and discouraged. The odds are pretty high, okay? 96% of you will eventually get married. The odds are good. And so you need to be listening to this message today. It's important for single people to go into marriage and for married people to move forward into marriage, understanding what partnership means. And we have to frame partnership from a biblical perspective. And that's why right now we're going to dig into Ephesians chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, go there with us. And I think that um, we have got caught up in this idea of two visions. And what happens is two people, individuals, come together in a relationship, in a marriage, and they have two visions. And if you have two visions for your marriage, you have division in your marriage. The problem is we're coming in with two visions, and God wants us to have a unified one vision so that there is unity in our partnership. Vision is the engine that propels our partnership forward. And so some of you need to go home today and get on the same page in terms of vision. In terms of vision for your future, for your marriage, for your partnership. And partnership, as Chrissy talked about positioning earlier, is the positioning that will grow our love. We grow in love through partnership. We don't grow in love by being two individuals just doing our own thing and we come together at the end of the night just to make babies, okay? That's not what partnership is. And I believe that we are more powerful as people when we are fully partnered as spouses. Now, single people, there is a biblical call. Paul actually talks about it. He says it's better to remain single. So those of you that may be in that 4%, you stayed single. Maybe you're like, I'm never going to get married. I just want you to know, it is a biblical call. Paul said it's better. Why? Because you're not concerned with the trappings of this world. You can focus just on the call that God has on your life. So do not diminish the single people in this place. All right? If you are single and you may be called to be single your whole life, I want to tell you, like, there is a place for you here. God has a purpose for you. It is a higher calling even because not many people can do it or are called to do it. And so I want to encourage you in that single people. But most of us in here will get married or are married. And so we want to encourage you in this idea of partnership together. Let's read Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 through 33. This is a text that many would say is antiquated. That many would say, oh, this was old, you know, patriarchal, gender roles, doesn't apply to us today. No, the word of God 2,000 years ago is applicable for us today. God does not change. This culture has changed, and we want to fit God in our box. But I want to tell you, God already drew the box, okay? And he said, you fit in the confines of what my structure looks like, of what my partnership and marriage looks like. 
We, if, if we have an issue with what the word of God says, it's not God that needs to change. It's us that needs to change. It's our hearts that need to change. It's our perspectives that need to change. That's why we let this lead us, not that out there. Ephesians 5, 21 through 33. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. I know you guys are excited about this. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. His body and, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh." Ephesians 5 is the picture of partnership in marriage. And it's a picture that many of us right now, you just heard this, you're like, I don't like this. And Chrissy and I are going to break it down because I think there are some misconceptions about what submission looks like biblically. But in order to understand partnership, we have to understand this passage. There is no one-size-fits-all partnership. And I I said that earlier, I wanted you to hear it again. But there are biblical principles that we can implement to power up our partnership. How many want to walk out of here with your partnership powered up, leveled up, strengthened up, built up? We need that because we are in a battle in this world. And this and your relationships, your marriages, your partnership are the example that must be set for a world that has seen a lot of fake. We need this to be real. And the realness only comes when it's rooted in God's word. So we want to give you some ways today to properly position yourself in partnership. So the first way we need to properly position ourselves in partnership is to commit to communication. Committing to communication. Before we really even jump in to Ephesians 5, we have to start with communication. You know, division happens in our hearts sometimes before we even utter a word. Division starts. Listen to me. The, the fight happens in our hearts before words even come out of our mouths. And so we have, to be, we have to recognize that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I read this this week that what isn't communicated is felt. And what is felt is interpreted. What is interpreted is is often inaccurate. Oftentimes what we're interpreting in our feelings and with what is not being communicated is inaccurate. So we need to get real. If we get real with one another, then there's a lesser chance of inaccuracies and you can move forward. So before you communicate, I want to challenge you to ask three questions to yourself before you communicate. Number one, is what I'm going to communicate recoiling? Is it recoiling? Am I recoiling? Am I, am, I, am I just standing back from being honest? 
Or am I recoiling? If so, pause. Next, I want you to ask, what I am going to communicate, is it retaliation? If it's retaliation, pause. Am I going to communicate, this is the third question I want you to ask, am I going to communicate resentment? If there's resentment, pause. If you're recoiling, if you're retaliating, if you are going to be resentful, pause. If you don't pause, then you can believe that no matter what you're communicating is a form of retaliation, and retaliation often results in regret. There are so many people who are walking around in relationships that is so ridden with regret because they couldn't pause. Just pause before you move into regret. But... Are you listening to yourself? I just want to make sure. <laughs> this is good for us. We're preaching to ourselves today. I need you to understand that. You know, here we are, eight years later, we've been preaching together for about eight years, and we recognize that, you know, the sparks fly sometimes when we're preparing messages like that. Case in point. Sparks <laughs> fly. But there's a level of iron sharpening iron that happens when you're communicating. And you just don't want to communicate the wrong way. Because if you're not sharpening one another, you're either dulling or damaging your, each other. So we've That's got good. to sharpen one another with our communication. But if you do it with retaliation, you're going to damage. If you're going to do it with recoiling, then you're going to dull somebody in the relationship. we got to get to the point. That's good. Dull or damage? You I just mean, come okay. up with that? No, I heard it from another preacher. That's <laughs> awesome. I can't lie. I can't lie from the pulpit. She didn't say that in the 9 a.m. Y'all are getting nuggets here in the 11. That's okay. Okay, but it worked great. That was great fire. We, yeah. Mm -hmm. So communicate clearly and truthfully. We got to communicate clearly and truthfully. If we're recoiling, retaliating, resenting, we're doing three different forms of communication that I want us to understand this morning because some of you have the tendency to do one of these three types of communication. Number one, it's passive communication. When you are passively communicating, essentially what you're saying is you matter and I don't. So we start recoiling. And we don't share truth because we're recoiling and we're being passive. God didn't create passive people. He wanted us to be confident. That song we're singing about being the, him being our champion, oh, man, you're confident. Be confident in the authority that God gave you and the truth that he's given you. Don't communicate passively. Second, there's aggressive communication. Aggressive communication says, I matter, you don't. Don't do it. Third, and this is the most sophisticated form of communication. It's manipulative, and it's called passive-aggressive communication. Passive-aggressive communication is saying, you matter. No, not really. It's good. We got to get to the point where we understand our patterns in communication so that we can sharpen one another in our communication, so we can grow one another in our communication, but recognize that the goal of communication is not agreement, it's understanding. I think we're walking in some fake relationships and not being real with one another because we are trying to just agree all the time. But there's points in relationships where you're not going to agree, and the goal of communicating is for you to understand one another, 
for you to grow in your empathy, for you to understand the other part of you. You're not going to be able to have a united relationship if you're not even listening to the other half of you. So we have to have the understanding that the goal is understanding. Too often, we think that agreement is unity. And that's actually a lie. If there's agreement without, you know, the unity, if there's agreement without understanding, then there's a lot of fakeness happening. So just understand one another. And when you're doing that, do it gently. You know, you might be like, yeah, I'm, I'm a passive communicator. It's fine. I'm, and I'm actually sometimes passive ag- ag- aggressive, not, not aggressive. So I'm gentle all the time. I'm good there. It says Proverbs 15, 1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. How many people know that if, even if you're being passive, even if you're being passive aggressive and you're not just aggressive, you can communicate very harshly. There's a lot of nonverbal communication that is weaponized more than our tongue is weaponized. And we, we harp so much on like, oh, there's life and death in the, in the tongue. And it's like, no, there's life and death and a lot of nonverbal communication. And so we have to recognize in ourselves, what is your pattern? How do you deal with communication? How do you deal with hurts? How do you deal with disappointment? How do you deal with these things? Your communication will tell you how you deal with that. It's good. I mean, I was even thinking about Christy and I had a, a challenge this week. We were actually in San Diego. We got a little getaway, no kids. Come on, give it up for Mimi and Papa for taking the kids for three days. And uh, thank you, Papa. He's in the front row. Uh, and and uh, we got away, but the last morning, um, my wife had expectations. And and so she, she, she tried to wake me up at like 5.45 a.m. She was feeling a little frisky, you know what I'm saying? And... Uh, and I don't know about y'all, but I'm not a morning person. And so I had played two rounds of golf two days in a row. I was exhausted, and I was like, nah, girl, it ain't happening. And I rejected her. And so then, I know some of you guys are uncomfortable. It's okay. We can talk about sex at church, okay? I don't think they're and, as uncomfortable uh, as I am. I was I like, know. oh, my gosh. So, so calm down. Let me tell the story. Okay. So after I rejected her, I slept for a little longer, and then we were checking out that morning. And, and so the whole morning, she didn't say a word to me. So we're getting ready. She doesn't say a word. We're getting dressed. We're packing up. She's not saying a word. And, and let me tell you, my wife is hyperverbal. And so for her to not talk to me for like an entire hour of getting ready and packing, like I knew something was wrong, but I just didn't want to talk about it. Because how many know communicating is harder? Like it was easier for me as, and I'm fine just like sitting in silence. And, uh, and yet there was this underlying tension. And so we literally packed up, checked out of the hotel, got in our car. We're driving to breakfast. We have not spoken. And I was like, what's bothering you finally in the car? What's bothering you? And all I had to do was ask that one question and the floodgates opened, okay? But it turned into a really good thing because we, in the, for the next hour, 
discussed what had happened that morning and unmet expectations and, and the feeling of rejection. And then I was able to express me and, and me not being a morning person and me being tired. And I'm like, if you just waited like 30 minutes longer, I probably would have been good. Um, but it's crazy, right? That if we had just had this conversation in the hotel room, we could have made up in the hotel room. But instead, we had to wait the whole day till that night till the kids went to bed. And then we made up yeah, finally, you know yeah, what I'm saying? sure did. <laughs> What's my point? As you guys are all uncomfortable. My point is you have to commit to communication. My point is that communication is hard. And it's around all kinds of things, even uncomfortable things like your physical relationship. Yeah. And that morning, it was easier for me to ignore that I knew she had felt rejected and hurt and I just let the silence uh, go on and, and permeate and I wasn't committed to communication and finally I said, you can't let this go on any longer. And I opened the conversation and then it became a really healthy thing for us. I think we actually grew through it and, and our communication once again has taken another step forward. This isn't something you arrive at overnight. And it's not something that you finally figure out and you're good to go. We are now going on 13 years of marriage and still we're learning and wrestling with and, and diving into the commitment of communication. It's not easy, but it's something that we must commit to. And so as, as we continue this, uh, I want to illustrate this idea of partnership for you with communication. Because I think that I, I have some things here. We have some things here on the table and I think that what we do is we go into marriage with some ideas of who's going to handle what, of whose role is going to be which. And so going into marriage, I had more of a, you know, patriarchal, traditional gender role idea of marriage. And so I was like, okay, Chrissy, like we're going into this and here we go. Like you're going to handle the cooking you're definitely, you know, going to handle the cleaning of the house. You got it? Okay. Whoa, easy. Okay. Um, you know, we got three kids. You got to handle the calendaring because that's all you. You know, you, you calendar. I mean, babies, diapers, you got that too, right? Um, you got it? Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll make the money, but you'll probably spend the money, so here's your credit card. And then make sure you pay it off in time. Um, we definitely, this is, for me, this is communication. You know, you got to learn how to fight, fight right, fight fair, all that. But I don't want to be the one to initiate that. That's a, that's a woman's job because they're more verbal. So can you handle these two? You got it? She keeps, there you go. Um, and then, you know what? I'll definitely do the yard work. And uh, I, I'll make sure our family's having fun all the time. So ping pong illustrates hobbies, you know, fun. And then, oh, even with like schedule and stuff, can you make sure you handle that too? And so... Here, honestly, this was my idea of partnership going into marriage. I'm not even kidding. Like, I would say that this is my idea of partnership. And don't worry, I'm going to make the money so you'll be good and taken care of. But what I realized is that as my wife has communicated with me, and she began to tell me, like, hey, I need more help than maybe you thought I was going to need. You need to initiate communication sometime. I had to take this. You need to help around the house sometime, even though you don't like to. And so make sure 
you know, you do that. I definitely change a lot of baby diapers because I realize how much of a burden that can be. Um, when it comes to scheduling, calendaring, I begin to, and we watch, she definitely keeps the pot though all the time. She, you don't want my cooking, she'll tell you. But I realize that partnership, we can have expectations, we can have ideas. You don't, yeah, you don't have to preach with that in your hand. We can have ideas of what it's going to look like, but when you get into partnership, if you communicate, you recognize that there's an ebb and a flow to what we hold, what we carry, and how we carry it together. Like we have to see this as a together thing. And so, yes, there may be some more typical gender roles you fall into, uh, but there may be more balancing and juggling and sharing than you thought. But for me, it all stems from communication. Because so many of us have unmet expectations because we have unverbalized expectations. If you verbalize it, then it can be met. I also want to add that it's okay to have some traditional um traditional roles that you have, gender roles. Um, this is not us trying to say, hey, listen, this the way we do it is perfect. Again, there's going to be a blueprint for you that God is going to give you specifically. And so in a world where female, the future is female, there's a lot of shifting of gender roles. And you're going to come, you're going to have a harder time, I think, in this day and age, agreeing on what those roles actually are. So you really need the help of the Holy Spirit. Spirit, And that comes by asking the Holy Spirit to help me understand my partner. Even if I don't take that role completely, it's just the understanding that helps even. I don't want him to always clean. I, I had a hard time letting go of laundry because I love the way I fold my laundry. But there was so many weeks that there were like seven loads that just weren't getting done because I wasn't willing to let go of it. And so I, I'm telling you, I like to fold clothes. I like the way that I do it. I don't like the way he folds clothes. But I'm like, it's your own clothes. He's like, offer, he's offered, I think year four of our marriage, I'll start doing my own laundry. I was like, nope, that is mine. But some of us have walked into these roles as if it was our identity. So if you don't know what your identity is, then you're not going to understand how to communicate and you're not going to understand one another well. It's good. And, and you didn't finish the thought because she said in this world where the future is female, we do not believe that. Yeah. We believe the future is male and female. Yeah. We believe the future is powerful men and women of God partnering up and serving this world, serving the church, and leading the way we're called to lead hand in hand, side by side, together. And so if you have a Futures Female shirt on right now, I'm sorry, but we're going to make some new ones at Project Church. The future is male and female together, leading together. That is the call on us. That's what partnership looks like. Don't let this culture influence you to, to see something that isn't what God's blueprint is for us. Second, today, if we are going to properly position ourselves in partnership, we have to make your mission submission. Make our mission submission. Oh, I'm ready to go in. You guys ready to, to hear about submitting? Okay, let's go. First of all, verse 21. 
Because we jump to verse 22. Wives, submit to your husbands. And all these men are like, "Uh uh-huh, my wife needs to hear this. This is going to be a good word for her. (laughs) Verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Did you catch that? Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. There is a mutual submission that the church has forgotten about and stopped teaching on. And so in in marriage, yes, we have roles. And yes, we're going to get there that that Jesus did declare or Paul did say here that we are to be as men, the head of the household. But that doesn't mean we're constantly calling women or our wives into submission. No, there is a mutual submission in partnership that is healthy, but it goes on. In marriage, we aren't dividing everything in half. We're giving all we've got. And so often we're just dividing half, say, you handle that, I got this. And what we have is differing visions. What we're doing is we end up just being roommates rather than soulmates. And, and, and hear me, there isn't just one soulmate. The person you marry, they're now your soulmate, okay, because you're in covenant with them. And so I've committed and, and we've committed that we're going to give all we've got together, not just saying you do your thing, I do my thing. The problem is we live in a world that tells you to do whatever makes you feel happy. We live in a culture, a fake culture, that says follow your feelings. But how many of you know feel is not real? What you feel in one moment may actually lead to the detriment and and the destruction of your life and your relationships in the long term. We cannot follow our feelings. Why? Because if you look at this world, there's most things you can't follow your feelings. I don't feel like going to work. Well, guess what? You're going to get fired if you do that enough. I don't feel like paying my taxes. Guess what? Uncle Sam's coming for you if you don't. I don't feel like feeding my baby. Well, that child is not going to survive. And so with so much and us recognizing that you can't follow your feelings. Why? Because you have responsibilities. You have to do certain things. It's the same way in partnership. You may not always feel love, but you choose love. Love is a choice. It's not a feeling. And the problem is we've been dictated and told to follow our feelings in this culture. And God is telling us, no, commit to covenant. Commit, commit to what you've, what you've uh, connected with me on, which is love. I'm choosing love even when I don't feel like it. Your marriage isn't measured by your feelings. Marriage is measured by your commitment. Feelings, I found, follow commitment. You see, when I'm committed to something and I walk it out and I'm faithful to that thing, then eventually I start feeling that thing. And so you may not feel it every day, but I'm telling you, you still commit to it. You still follow it. We still walk out our roles in submission. So Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So here's what we do as husbands. We talk a lot about wives submitting. When our wives don't want to listen to us, we say, you're not following your biblical command. You are to submit to me. I am the head of this household. Here's the problem. Wives don't want to submit and husbands don't want to die. What am I talking about? 
It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So your call is actually to live so sacrificial that you would die for your spouse. You would die for your wife, husbands. And y'all out there like, I ain't dying for her. And she's like, I'm not submitting to him. But this is our call. That men who are out there saying, my wife, my wife won't follow me. Give her something worth following. If you are living so sacrificial, if you are serving as Christ serves and loved his church, I'm telling you, you will give her something that she has no choice but to follow. This is the best way you can lead. And so when it comes to this idea of, of roles and wives submitting and our role as the head of the household, this is how I always define it. And I've shared this with our church before. What I say, what Christy and I have said, is that when it comes down to it, if we are not in agreement on a decision, then I'm the tiebreaker. That's how this plays out as the head of our household. But here's what I found is that I've never had to break a tie because I'm so committed to serving, and I'm not perfect, so don't get it wrong. But in this relationship, I've never broken a tie. I've never said, well, I'm going to do this even though you don't want me to. And when I have done that, it was out of complete selfishness, not because it was really what was best for my family. But what we've decided is, and what I've decided is I'm going to serve my wife by, by loving her, by living sacrificially for her, and making sure we are in unity on all decisions. We are in unity in all directions. We are in unity in vision. That's how we lead, husbands. That's what the head of the household looks like. Sacrificial, laying down your life, putting the needs of your wife before your own. Am I saying it's easy? It's not. And that's why I'm selfish at times. Christy will tell you. I've gone and golfed even when she didn't want me to before. Years in the years. Someone's like, oh, she's all right, okay. It was just four and a half hours. But we have to be committed to sacrificial leadership as husbands. Yeah, and listen, I don't want this to be an opportunity for women to sneak back into that world's view of feminism. This isn't like, finally, a man is going to submit to me. That's not what it's about. It's not about you getting your way. I, I, I'm afraid that we have demasculized men. And I'm sorry, the church has to be different. This is an opportunity to say, oh, now I have a platform. Listen, I've never asked this man for me to preach or have anything to do with leadership in this church. He's only ever told me to. So even though we're co-leads as pastors, I'm like still his, you know, submitted partner. So I do what he asks me to do. Some people have walked in here and like, I'm so excited that there's a woman finally leading from the pulpit. I happily submit to this man. It's not like, oh, yes, I have this. Yes, and I'm afraid the world's definition of feminism is leaking into the church, and we've got to say no to it. It is an honor to submit to my husband. It's an honor to submit to a man who loves me so much, so much that he would sacrifice for me. But that just says, I'm going to sacrifice for you too. Mutual submission. But also, let's not get it wrong. Women, some of you might be discouraged. You're like, man, I thought she was going to have a different tune because she's leading here and she, she speaks on the mic. I thought she was going to say something different. Like, what do, what do I need to do as a woman now? Let's get it straight that this scripture says, wives submit to your husbands. It does not say women submit to men. 
Let's get that straight. Because some women have been subservient and passive and passive aggressive because you thought your role was to submit to every single man in this world. And so we cannot weaponize this scripture and pervert it so that women are now subservient to all men. God has called us from the very beginning of time to rule and reign together. That was his design from the very beginning of time. And so if we can see ourselves as powerful women and powerful men, we are going to be showing the world a strong and powerful kingdom. But women, let's submit to our husbands. I get to submit to my husband. I get to sit in the shade of my husband's shadow. Some of us are so scared of the shadow because we feel like we're hidden and unseen. That is the safest place that we can be women. That's the safest place that I am. It brings me peace. When we're postured and positioned in the right place, we have peace. And I'm grateful that I am in his shadow. In his shadow, there's protection. There's refuge. So women, we get to submit to our husbands. We get to. Don't be scared of marriage because you feel like you're going to lose something. Here's two reasons why I think that women are afraid of this world word submission. First, it's because we're afraid of the matter of being subservient. And that just means that we have pride. We don't want to submit to anything. And a lot of, in this world, a lot of women in this world, we are not submitting anymore. And that's Pride. That's what I hear in this world's definition of feminism. And this pride causes the inability to love. That's one reason why I believe women are scared of marriage. But another reason why they're scared of even this word, word submission is because submission means a loss of control. When you're afraid to lose control, you're walking in fear. And fear causes the inability to trust. There's no there's no health in that. There's no health. And there's, when there's submission, there's health and order. God puts order and he brings order to everything in this world. And I promise you, it works out better when we do things his way. Yeah. You know, um, it was really cool this weekend. Canaan asked me a challenging question. He loves to ask questions. And the question he asked me this week was, Mom, what do you think, uh, which fruit of the Spirit do you really need to work on? I go, okay, and I may have, you know, 15 minutes or so before, like, um, raise my voice to really encourage them adamantly. It was a passive-aggressive question okay, by our nine-year-old, yeah, but yeah. Okay, yeah. I think he was exercising passive aggression. And I go, you know what? You know what? Probably patience. Probably patience. I was going to say that is what he said to me right away. I was like, thanks. Thanks, Kenny. Cool. And then so he asked Caleb, Caleb, what fruit of the spirit do you need to work on? I'm like, what kind of questions, nine-year-old? Okay. And he said, love. And then he's like, okay, now what do you think, mom, is your best? And I'm like, I'm not answering this anymore because I feel like I'm throwing myself under the bus. You're wanting to throw yourself under my, me under the bus. So what, what is the point? What are you trying to tell us? What do you think our love language, or excuse me, what do you think our fruit of the Spirit is that we do best at? And he said love. And then for Caleb, he said patience. And I thought it was interesting because there's a, we're opposites. <laughs> but sometimes they complement one another. 
in God's design, I think he puts man and women together so we can complement one another. And we need to discover that in one another. If not, and we, if we start taking on the, the wisdom of this world, this world will say opposites attract, but oftentimes opposites attack. And if we don't see one another as a way that God has designed us, and if we don't start submitting to the mission of submission, then we're not going to do things in the order that God created. And his ways are always higher and better than our ways. That's good. And the final way to properly position ourselves in partnership is to serve. And we serve with a smile. Everybody smile. Let me see those teeth. We serve with a smile. It's about serving. I want to read from 1 Corinthians 7, 1 through 5. And this is actually, uh, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. And he says, now concerning the matters about which you wrote, which means the church in Corinth wrote to him and asked him questions about their sexual relationships. He goes on, he says, now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except perhaps for agreement for a limited time, that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So Paul's writing to them, and I don't know if you know this, but the Bible talks about a lot of stuff. And sometimes we're going to, to YouTube and counselors and, and experts in this world, and we forget that the Word of God is literally there to guide us on so many facets of our lives, including our sexual relationships, including how we serve one another in marriage. And so at the end of the day, when it comes to sex, when it comes to walking out partnership in this life, all that goes into it, like all this stuff, we serve. That's what biblical partnership looks like. Two people committed to serving one another. Imagine a marriage. Imagine your wife is so committed to serving you. What would your marriage look like? Imagine your husband is so committed to serving you. What would your marriage look like? I wonder if we just got in love with serving, how much healthier our partnerships would be in this room. How much healthier our marriages would be in this room if we just fell in love with serving. And we don't do it reluctantly. We don't do it begrudgingly. But we have a smile on our face. And there's joy in our heart. And we serve. You see, we must go from a commitment to my hopes, my desires, my dreams, to a radical commitment to our hopes, our desires, our dreams. And I think the issue and why relationships are fake in this world is because we're all about me. It's me, 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 I, I, I. Me, myself, and I. What can I do to move myself forward, to make my name greater? 
but it can't be about my hopes, my dreams, my desires any longer. It's our hopes. It's our desires. It's our dreams. Why? Because when there's two visions in marriage, there's division in marriage. And God wants us unified. He wants us completely together, wholeheartedly together. I love that. Thank you. I love you more even preaching this message. Submitting to one another in love. That's what it's going to take for us to be united. And we don't do it perfectly. The church doesn't do it perfectly. But you know, God's design for marriage is a design that he created for us to understand his relationship with us. I want you to hear what Timothy Keller says. And if you're looking for a book on marriage, The Design of Marriage by Timothy Keller, I highly recommend it. But it says this, if God had the gospel of Jesus' salvation, excuse me, If God had the gospel of Jesus' salvation in mind when he established marriage, the marriage only works to the degree that approximates the pattern of God's self-giving love in Christ. You know, when I think about this scripture of submitting to one another, husbands, you have the opportunity to become more like Christ by submitting the way Jesus submitted his life and laid it down for the church. Wives, you have an opportunity to be more like Jesus and emulating Jesus by submitting the way Jesus submitted to the will of his Father. We as the church, men and women, wives and husbands, if we submit to one another in love and we take on the call that Jesus had on his life to submit and serve this world by giving sacrificially, then we are emulating something healthy to this world. It's not just about happy marriages in the church. It's about a world dying to do relationships right, dying to be fulfilled and the relationships. And the only way that they will be fulfilled in their relationships is when they understand what Jesus did for them. Husbands and wife, we get to show this world what Jesus does by submitting to one another in our marriages. That's the design of marriage. That is the plan. That is the good news that Jesus gave himself so that we might have life. And the greatest partnership that we can have, not even in marriage, is a partnership that we have with the one who is so sacrificial, who laid down his life for us because he loved us. That's the gospel message. That's what we get to show this world when we do marriage healthy and we submit to one another in love. Yeah, this is about more than just us, as Chrissy said. I think if if we polled you in this room, majority of you in this room come from broken homes, broken marriages. You saw unhealth, dysfunction. But when we create healthy relationships real with a commitment, a radical commitment to partnership. Guess what happens? We actually begin new legacies because now our children see something healthy and our children's children 
could one day see something healthy. Now some of you are like, that ship has already sailed for me. Hear me in this. You can choose right now. Decide right now that the health, maybe it's you're a single parent. Maybe you're, you're a divorced parent. Regardless, that health starts now and it has to start with a healthy relationship with Jesus Christ. Because if I'm looking around this room, I'm guessing there's somebody in here that has idolized relationships. Maybe you've idolized your spouse. You've idolized your marriage. You've elevated other things above God. Maybe even your children above God. And I want you to hear me. The only way that we can be the healthy people in healthy relationships that God has called us to be is if we are in healthy relationships and full partnership with Jesus Christ. Some of you have been running from Jesus. You've turned your back on Jesus. You've been playing games with Jesus. You've been in with him on Sundays, but Monday through Saturday, you don't even remember his name. And today, you have to make him your God. It's the only way to create the health that you want for your children, for your children's children, for your partnerships, for your relationships, for your marriages. It starts with a commitment not to partnering with Jesus, but to following Jesus, to being fully submitted to Jesus. You see, we aren't just in partnership with Jesus. He uses us. We're his hands and feet, but we must be fully submitted to him as our Savior, as our Lord, as our guiding star, as the one that we serve, that we follow. And so I think there's somebody in here today that needs to surrender to Jesus. Once again, you need to recommit yourself to Jesus, or maybe you need to give yourself to Jesus for the first time ever. Would you bow your heads with me across this room? If that's you, you say, Caleb, that's me. I need Jesus. I need Jesus for the first time. I need to recommit myself to Jesus. I need to resurrender my heart to Jesus. I've never made him the Lord of my life. I've idolized all these other things, but I haven't made him my God. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you to lift your hand. In the middle of a relationship series, Jesus is speaking to you about surrendering your heart fully to him. I want you to lift your hand. One, two, three go if that's you. Yes, hands are going up all around the room. Come on, church, make some noise for these people who are submitting and surrendering to Jesus. Pray this prayer with me. Everybody in here, repeat this after me. Say, Jesus, I need you to lead me. Today, I commit wholeheartedly to you. I submit my desires, my dreams, my hopes to you, to your will, to your direction. I'm all in, Jesus. Make me clean. Forgive me of my sin. I love you. I pray all this in your name. Amen. Come on, stand to your feet, church. Let's give God one more clap of praise in this place. So many people that responded. Can we sing this song as a declaration today that we are fully committed to Jesus as our God, as our leader, as our Lord. Come on, lift your voices with us, church, before we go. Let's make this our declaration today.
Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you, built you up, and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.